Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who comes to give us hope. It doesn't take looking back over the last 11 months of headlines to find turmoil, does it? In fact, you could go back two days, but even if you just went back like two months, just look at the headlines over the last two months. We've had massive wildfires. We've had devastating hurricanes. There's been earthquakes causing destruction, right? There's, uh, no matter which side of it that you, you feel or fall on, there's the, the migrant caravan, there's persecution of Christians across, around the world, there's this horrible political divide that played itself out in, in an election. It hasn't been pretty, has it? And that's just two months. And, and I think that even if you're the, the most glass-half-full kind of person, that's a lot. It, it, it might even make the most optimistic people in here kind of go, oof, not so sure. Not so sure where we're at. I'm not so sure where we're going. I'm not so sure I like it. It could make you feel even pessimistic, even kind of hopeless. Even as the economy seems to be chugging along, right? House prices here especially going up. This is a good thing, and yet it seems like there's less and less reason for optimism. More and more people that I talk to are, are just waiting for the bubble to burst. They're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're just waiting for this or waiting for that. It, it seems like there's really no hope. And that feeling of, of hopelessness, of, of pessimism, of, of not having something that, is, that we're waiting for, looking forward to, well, it, can leave, it can leave us feeling like we need to just kind of hide, right? It's not really a world I want to be a part of, and I'm not going to take myself out of it, but I'm not going to live in the midst of it. I'm going to, I'm going to hide. I'm, going to, I'm just going to take care of myself. I'm going to pretend like I'm the only one exists, and all that other stuff is the bad stuff out there. I'm just going to look out for me. I'm going to duck and cover. But that's no way for a Christian to go through life. Because God has a, a plan, a purpose, a use for you that's much bigger than you and me. And he wants us to know that it's not okay to just duck and cover. That the feeling that that results from, that hopelessness, it has no part in a Christian's life. Because we always have a reason for hope. There's a reason for that. And it's not based on, on how you feel, how, what your optimism level is, whether it will come to pass or not in the you know, next event, the next election, the upcoming economic forecast, even what the weather's going to be this, like, this week. You may feel optimistic and that may, may or may not come to pass, but you always have a reason for hope. And here's why. It's our, our first takeaway this morning. It's an understanding the difference between optimism and hope. Optimism is based on a wish. It's based on an expectation, but it's based on something that you have zero control over. But real hope, that's based on God's promises. This morning, we start the season of Advent. And as you heard me say earlier, Advent simply means coming. And so during this season that leads up to Christmas, it rightly focuses our hearts as we, we prepare to celebrate again Jesus coming on Christmas to save us from our sins. 
But Advent is also a time that, that reminds us and keeps our eyes focused on another coming, on Jesus coming again on Judgment Day when he's going to take all who believe in him as their Savior to heaven with him. That is what gives us hope, right? He focuses our, our hearts, our minds, our, our eyes off of the mess and onto him. And so this morning, as we take a look at our Savior's coming, our Savior gives us the gift of hope. Now, the section of the Bible that we're about to look at takes place in the last week of Jesus' life. It's Tuesday of what we sometimes call Holy Week. Tuesday before Jesus died on Friday, before Jesus rose from the dead on, on Easter Sunday. So it's just days before. And Jesus spent the day in the temple courts and he was teaching. And, and during the teaching, his disciples, they looked up and they looked around at, at where Jesus was teaching, at where all of this was going on. And they went, wow, man, your teaching is fantastic, but look at these buildings. I mean, the, the temple is a phenomenal place. This is a, a massive feature of architecture and grandeur and what a good thing. And Jesus says, but it's not going to last. In fact, there's a time coming when there won't be one stone left on top of the other from what used to be the temple. And he was talking about the coming destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Now, the disciples didn't know that piece of it, and Jesus didn't reveal the date. We know that looking back in history. But the disciples said, okay, so tell us, how are we going to know when this is going to happen? How are we going to know when, when the temple is going to be crushed? How are we going to know when you're going to come back? And Jesus talked then about some, some general things. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be earthquakes and persecution and famine. And then he went on to describe how that's going to lead eventually to the end of time, right? To judgment day. That brings us then to the words that our Savior speaks this morning to them and to us about how, how and why we have hope. We read from Luke 21, beginning at verse 25. Jesus says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Jesus tells his disciples then, and he tells his disciples, his followers now, yeah, the world's kind of a mess, isn't it? And it's not going to just suddenly do a 180, turn on its heel, and all of a sudden be this, become this place of, of peace and love and joy and rainbows and dancing unicorns. It's, that's not what's going to happen. The world was a mess then, and it still is a mess today. And it's the kind of mess that's actually kind of a scary place. It's kind of funny for those of you that are parents that have kids that are into their teen years or coming up on them, how many times have you thought, it's a scary world that I'm sending my kids out into? Do you think your parents thought the same thing? And their parents? And their parents? And their parents? And their parents? This isn't a new phenomenon. This isn't something that is all of a sudden 
bad, but just a generation ago it was great. The world has been a mess, and it's still going to be a mess. There are going to be natural disasters. There's going to be conflict at the national level and on the personal level. This world is a messy and scary place. And eventually, it's going to reach this peak, uh, come to a head, and Jesus promises that's when he will come back. That sounds bad, doesn't it? In fact, it, it sounds pessimistic. It sounds even kind of downright hopeless. It sounds like the kind of place that, I don't know about you, but, but I just kind of want to have a bunker somewhere. And I'll come out and I'll do what I need to do, but the rest of the time I'm just going to stay here and take care of me and tune out the rest of the world. And I don't want to know anything that's going on and I certainly don't want to be a part of it. You know what's funny? That's the exact opposite of what Jesus tells us to do. Look at verse 28. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. See, for Christians, the fact that this world is a mess, it should not surprise us. It really shouldn't. We know it. We know it because of what the Bible says, right? We know the cause. We know that it's because of sin. Sin that has corrupted every single thing in this world. Sin that has corrupted every single human heart. It shouldn't surprise us when people do bad things, when people goof up, when, when there are disasters and messes and horrible, scary news reports. None of this should surprise us. It's because of sin. But we also don't need to duck and cover, and we certainly don't need to live without hope. Because instead, Jesus wants us to understand that the mess, the scariness, while it might make your, your natural reaction to go, I don't want anything to do with any of that. Jesus said, I want you as a Christian living in hope to have a different reaction. I want you to see this for what it is. It's a reminder that this is not the grand and glorious place that we like to make it out to be. That this is the best. No, it's a mess. With some really good moments built into it. But it's a mess. But there's something that's far, far better. See, Jesus wants us to understand we don't need to be afraid because we have hope. We have hope in eternity with him. Our hope is in our Savior. It's not in, not in the stuff, not in our job, not in a political system or a political party or a political leader. Our, our hope is not in anything found outside these walls. Our hope is in our Savior. And Jesus wants to drive that point home. And so he tells a short parable Verse 29, he told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. See, Jesus points to nature, right? And he says, guys, you know what happens. You see the, the trees starting to sprout. You see the, the plants, the flowers starting to bud and bloom. And what's, what's coming? Spring has sprung. Summer's around the corner. Here comes the warm weather, right? Well, just as you can read the signs of nature to know what's coming, Jesus wants us to apply that same principle to reading 
the world. Reading the signs that we see around us to seeing the wars and rumors of wars. The conflict, the strife, the persecution, the earthquakes, the famines, the hurricanes, all of that. And to see it for what it is. It's a sign that he's coming. That doesn't mean he's coming tomorrow, but it doesn't mean he's not. He says, I want you to look at this and and go, oh yeah, this world is not what it's all about. My hope is beyond what today brings or what tomorrow brings or what I have to look forward to next week or Christmas vacation. My hope is found in my Savior. And he wants us to see that for what it is, to have that hope. And that brings us to our second takeaway. See, hope means that I don't need to be afraid. My salvation is based on Jesus' promises, which never fail. That last point is exactly what Jesus says in the very next verse. Take a look. Verse 32 and 33. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now, verse 32, that's a verse that has caused some consternation. Lots of spilt ink, lots of uncertainty over the centuries. People trying to understand what exactly does Jesus mean when he says this generation won't pass away because it sure seems like he hasn't come back and the generation that was alive then is not anymore. There are two very simple potential explanations that I want to just share with you just to, to calm your minds and hearts because we know that The point is that Jesus' words never fail, right? So there's two very simple explanations. One is that Jesus often referred to, when he would refer to a generation, he would refer to it as an unbelieving generation. He would often use that phrase, in fact, when he was talking to people who doubted him. He would say, you, not just you personally, you unbelieving generation. And so when Jesus is addressing a generation... He's saying, I'm talking about not just this person or this time frame or people of this time, but I'm talking about the symptom that they have, unbelief. And that's not going away. I think probably a a simpler and even more likely explanation is the fact that Jesus is talking and all of these things are happening. There were wars and rumors of wars. There were natural disasters going on right then. During his life, during his ministry, all of this happened. The disciples lived through some of the worst persecution in Christian history. That all happened. That doesn't mean it was going to happen once and then it's done. In fact, he says, no, it serves a purpose, right? That it keeps us focused not on the here and now, not on on how good it is or how bad it is, but on what is coming, on who is coming, on Jesus The whole point of of the signs that Jesus talks about is to keep our focus from the stuff, the things, the things that we try to find our hope in, in life that always leave us wanting and always disappoint. To find our hope in the true source of hope that never fails, our Savior Jesus. See, Jesus contrasts everything is going to pass away. Even the, the stuff that seems immovable and indestructible. It's all going to go. 
Heaven and earth going to go. But there is one thing that will not. He says, my words will never pass away. Not a single promise that Jesus ever made will fail, will not come true, will fall short. Not a single word that he said, not a single word that he authored in Scripture will ever not be relevant and not be true. Nothing that he said is going to, to go, oh, you know what, that doesn't apply anymore. It does because his words never pass away. But that's not how we usually feel, is it? Because we know his promises. But it seems like, you know, Jesus, I'm not sure because it's been a pretty rough week, been a pretty rough month, been a pretty rough year, been a pretty rough life, maybe. Are you really in control? Can I, can I trust that? Because I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I, I'd like to think that if I were in control, I'd make it work out really good for me. And that's not how you've made it go. Are you sure you're in control? Are you sure you have all power? Are you sure you really love me? Jesus wants to understand that when you're tempted to think that way, when you're tempted to think his words may not be true, that his promises aren't going to hold, that you don't have hope, he wants you to go back to this truth. It's our third takeaway, that what gives me real hope is the absolute concrete certainty of God's promises. His words never fail. Think of them. Go back to the beginning of time, right? The very first sin, the very first disobedience by the very first people, and what did God do? He promised to send someone to rescue, to save. And then on the, the first Christmas night, what did the angels announce? A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. God promised that he was going to remove that, that barrier of sin that separates him from us. And what did Jesus declare on the cross? Mission accomplished. It is finished as he paid for all of them. Jesus promised before he even died, he said, because I live, you also will live. He had told them he was going to rise three days later. And because he promised he would live, he says, you're, you're going to live too. Not just live for a few minutes or live for a few more weeks or live for another year or five or 20, but you're going to live for eternity. And three days after he died, he rose just like he promised. And he assures us that death is not our end, but heaven is. Because he's our Savior who's coming to take us to be with him. Jesus wants us to have that gift of hope. And then with that gift of hope, confident, certain that he has saved us, that we are going to be with him when he comes back, he wants to give us some encouragement. And that's the last verses of our text this morning. He says, verse 34, Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. No one's exempt. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that's about to happen and that you may be able to stand 
before the Son of Man. See, Jesus warns us. He gives us some encouragement. He says, friends, this world is a scary and messy place. See it for what it is, but also understand this is not a time for autopilot, especially for your spiritual life. This is not a time to just kind of go, okay, I know enough. I'm going to check out a little bit. Because he says there's a real spiritual danger there. And he actually talks about it, right? He uses the phrase, it will be weighed down. What's the opposite of hope? Hope lifts you up. Checking out, putting it on spiritual autopilot, weighs you down. And so he says, I've got three encouragements because there is going to come a time. The day is coming and you're not going to escape it. So he gives us three encouragements, our last takeaway this morning, three encouragements to live with hope as I wait for him. He wants us to be ready. He wants us to be looking for him. And so he says, first of all, be careful, right? He starts off that section by saying, be careful. That's how it comes across in English. Literally in Greek, what he says is watch yourself or myself, right? Check yourself. It's funny because we watch other people all the time, don't we? We watch the, the stupid videos, the, the fails, the, oh, goodness, there's some doozies out there, right? And it's, and it's kind of fun to watch your people watch. You go to Starbucks or sit in the airport. That's the perfect place to do it. And you just see the people going by, and you wonder, why do they dress like that? Huh, I wonder what's going on in their life. And Jesus says, Don't be all concerned about other people and what's going on in their world and what they're thinking and what they're doing wrong or wishing you were like them, but I want you instead to watch yourself. Specifically, watch yourself for the places you're weak because you know it. Know who else knows it? The devil. And guess where the devil likes to attack? Where you're weak. And so he says, watch out, watch for those temptations that you know you are especially susceptible to that that get you time and time again. Watch out for them and stay away. But don't just watch for the negative. Don't just watch for the weakness. Watch for the strength too. Watch for what strengthens you. See, our strength doesn't come from ourselves. The Bible tells us that over and over again. What strengthens us, spiritually speaking, is the word of God. Watch for those times. Make sure that you're taking advantage of them. Watch for the opportunities Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I know we were there last week. Yep. And there's another week coming. Make use of the Advent devotion books that we have for you. Take time in your personal devotion life, your own Bible reading, because that is what gives you the strength for your faith and it lifts up your hope. The second thing Jesus tells us, encourages us with, he says, always be on the watch. You ever had a job where you had to do something that was mundane, repetitive, maybe even horribly boring, and you had to stay alert? You had to to stay awake, right? Maybe in the military, you literally had to stand a watch. Maybe you had a job as like an overnight security guard and and you had to keep your eyes open on this monitor where nothing changed. Or maybe you're just a parent of a small child. 
Because let's be honest, you have to stay alert, right? You want to take a break and you can't. And it's really hard, isn't it? To stay awake, stay alert all the time. And yet Jesus tells us to do that. He warns us, I'm coming and you don't know when. Don't get caught in the trap. The trap of, it'll, it won't be tomorrow. It won't be, it won't be for a couple of months. It won't be for a couple of years. I'm good. I can take time off. Because you don't know that. And he wants us to live with an urgency. An urgency to watch and to wait and to look for him. Because we have a hope that is worth far more than a, a, a night of partying or a night of anxiety. We have a hope that is worth so much more. So don't lose it in the worries of life, in in setting it all aside and living in the moment. He says, stay awake, stay alert, keep watching. And finally, the last takeaway, pray. I don't know about you, but I'm going to make a confession. The hardest time for me to focus is when I pray. I get like random thoughts of, that's who was in that movie. Oh, that's what that song lyric was. I couldn't remember what that song was called. I remember things that I've been meaning to do and I've forgotten. And all of a sudden, I have, if I don't write it down right at this minute, I'm going to forget it, right? All, I'm like a, a dog chasing a squirrel, woo, woo, all over the place. And it's the hardest time for me to focus my mind and my heart. I don't know why, besides the fact that Satan wants to tempt me. And doesn't want me talking to God. But do you notice what Jesus promises? In prayer, you might have a difficult time physically concentrating, but Jesus promises that when you pray, you stay spiritually alert. You get to bring all of your fears, all of your temptations, all of your worries, all of your anxieties, all the mess that you see around you and say, Lord, help I don't know what to do with all of this. It's a scary place. Help. Help me. Help me not to lose hope. Help my faith not to waver. Strengthen me so that I can stand before you certain, confident, trusting in you that you are my Savior. Because he's coming. He's coming. We we know it, right? It's 23 days away till we celebrate the first coming. But he's also coming again. Jesus has come and has won our salvation for us. And he promises, I'm coming back and I'm going to take you to be with me forever in glory. That's so much better than anything you can even imagine. So lift up your eyes. Lift up your hearts. Stay alert. Pray. Watch. Watch yourself. Because it's coming. Because I'm coming. And I long to take you to be with me. So dear friends, live boldly. Don't be afraid. But live boldly and confidently that Jesus, our Savior, is coming and his promises are always sure. And that's our hope. Amen.